Welcome to Podcast 49 of The Back Pocket, your wildly average podcast. We're excited to have you. Wanted to take one moment before we get into our excellent podcast and talk to you a little bit about one of our wonderful sponsors, Skyline Specs. Skyline Specs is an urban lifestyle brand that connects people to their local community. They do this by engraving major city skylines on every pair of their premium wooden sunglasses. Their shades are also UV 400 polarized and come in a variety of styles, which are phenomenal. I was uh, actually wearing these earlier today. It was a little sunny outside. I had someone stop me and say, hey, man, those are some dope sunglasses. I proceeded to to then show them the Minneapolis skyline on the side, and they're like, wow, these are way cooler than I thought they were. Where do I buy them? Well, then what I told them, I said, hey, you got to go to skylinespecs.com, and then you got to enter promo code BACKPOCKET, that's us, B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T, for 15% off. They run around $35. You do the math, you throw the 15% on there with you, and well, uh, you have some nice, affordable sunglasses that are looking fly. So, again, Skyline Specs. Go ahead and follow them on Instagram. They do giveaways all the time. And then go on their website to buy it. Use our promo code. Andrew, what do you got for us? And one more thing here. We are doing this new thing. We started at last podcast, PFP, promo for promo. This week's promo, The Athletic Stance, A Skier's Perspective by Scott Chrisman. He's a wonderful man. We have him on on this podcast as a full interview, um, an hour long. He's a fantastic man. His interviews come from top skiers in the world about fitness, nutrition, routine, overcoming fear, loss of friends, and many more. I mean, the daily content from these guests are fantastic. One of my favorite ones is Haley Hammer. She focuses on diet, mindfulness, and curiosity. And my favorite golden nugget from this interview was when she was talking about how her profession is a judgment. You know, she has judges in her sport that affects how the athlete may be feeling. And she always reminds them, don't let that affect you and and use that adversity to your advantage. So go ahead and check out The Athletic Stance. They are a wonderful man, a wonderful podcast. You'll enjoy it. And I say, let's roll that intro music. Today is May 13th, it's a Sunday, and the boys from the back pocket are here. Declan, how you doing? I'm ec- ecstatic. It's a Sunday. We're sending it on this Sunday. We're starting a new promo called Send It Sunday. Anytime we get a guest on that just absolutely sends it, whether it's a skier, a BMX rider, someone that just throws it off cliffs, you know, sends it in their daily routine, and he's on our podcast, or he or she's on our podcast, we release the episode one day early because it's Send It Sunday. It's all about the guys who send it, and we're just donating Sunday to the guys who send it. I mean, we're just average guys, so it's just in our nature to appreciate the guys that send it and do it a day early. We love these guys, and releasing it on Sunday, first time we're doing it. I'm excited. I feel like there's going to be some big-time results from it. This is is a unique experience. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Like Personally, I'm a little bit of a sendy. I averagely send it when I go skiing, and I go cliff jumping every once in a while, but these guys do it on a professional level and make me look like a can of baked beans out there, and it's just awesome. I love it. So I'm excited. Uh, any other things we, we should add to the Send It Sunday? Uh, no, just make sure that you marketing interns also send it because when we send it, we just want it, the snowball to keep rolling, and the majority of us are just going to start sending it that week and have a great week, boys and girls. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's get to it. Our average quality this week on the Send It Sunday is, uh, I think, 
I don't know what it is exactly, but is it business ops, business operations? I think our business operations are fairly average. You know, we're always improving, and we recognize where we failed in the past. We, we talk this many times, the communication aspect, and now we're starting to have business meetings with um, mentors or other people in this industry. Potential sponsors. Potential sponsors to work through how we're going to handle these situations, and this is new to us. Arranging business meetings has been uh, started this past two or three weeks, and I'm loving it. Yeah, it what it means is uh, back pocket maybe uh, changing from a no profit organization to a profit organization. We might be making money here one of these days. We're not going to guarantee when or how we're doing it, but we're going to maybe do it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, it's interesting. Like I would say overall, as a podcast, we're average at the business ops because I myself I feel like I'm a pretty good marketing guy. I'm a really good networker, like I talk to all kinds of people, but I'm definitely just not good in the business meeting settings. I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just not there yet. I think that's where I thrive. You know, that's where we can balance off each other. You got the marketing and the network, you know, down pat. You've been working that so hard lately and you can just see the effects. And then I'm gonna come over here on the other end and I'm gonna help you with just being a businessman. Putting that you know, I don't wear ties, so I'm gonna say button up the suit. <laughs> And maybe put on a jacket. The blazer. The blazer. And uh, I'm gonna, I'll be able to take that end because that's where I think I can thrive in. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, you are uh, you do wield the shield of like being a business and leadership major. Mm. So like by law, you are the leader of men, correct? Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And I'm just an engineer. I have no business background. They just tell me to crunch numbers, keep my head down, and you know find the truth behind a solution, you know? And I think one of my favorite things to say about... Um, being a businessman and being a leadership and management major is not necessarily the actual business aspect, but, you know, I was born to lead, not to read, as the late, great Arnold Schwarzenegger liked to say. Wow, very nice. <laughs> very nice quote. I love that. I would say uh, between the two of us, though, you know, you being good at business, me being good at marketing, networking, engineering, you know, whatever have you, we have pluses and minuses, strikes and gutters all over the map, Right. The back pocket resume is full of really good stuff and really bad stuff at the end of the day. But one thing that we are consistent across the board is we're outdoorsmen. Yeah, whether it's fishing on a lake or we are in ever need for a nature walk, we love the outdoors. And you know what we do? We also love? We love wearing MB Outdoors. MB Outdoors is the brand apparel for you, and we love it. I'm wearing it right now, and I'm wearing the most comfortable shirt. We're in this sunroom. I feel like I'm outdoors. I'm not necessarily outside, but wearing the shirt, being in this room... I just enhances the mood of being outdoors. Not to mention you look good. Uh, going from John, what John Abraham had said about you before, I know your, your physique really comes out of the shirt, sure. and it's, it just looks good. Can Do you have any response to that? You didn't have it last time, so. Uh, my response to that would be, um, you know, just take care of your body. I don't know. Good work. Thanks. <laughs> um, Job well done, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. But uh, with MB Outdoors, go ahead and visit them, mboutdoors.com. And when you find the apparel that you love, use promo code BACKPOCKET. We love them. We have this apparel right now. Like I said, love wearing it. Promo code BACKPOCKET. Get 15% off. Not to mention they do all kinds of sweet charities. So anytime you donate, or not donate, every time you buy a shirt, buy any kind of apparel. I own a hat, which they're phenomenal. Anytime you buy any piece of clothing or apparel, they donate some of that money and proceeds to charities uh, regarding veterans. So it's a very sweet cause. You're supporting the troops. It's all just a great, great company, great sponsor all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's trap the puck on that segment, our average quality, and we're going to transition to our interview. But before we do that, I'd like to make a quick note of a trial and error, a strikes and gutter, an ebbs and flow mentality that we are trying to work through right now, uh, the audio quality of this interview. 
We have put forth our best foot forward to try to eliminate this fan in the background. We have started doing podcast interviews on FaceTime, and the FaceTime runs up the RAM on the laptop, and hence causes the audio to be a little bit diluted, and by the fan in the laptop. Should we uh, should we give them a little science behind this? Sure. All right, so there are microprocessor chips in a Mac computer. That's what we use. When the microprocessor is working, that means it's running applications. It's running through uh, lighting your screen up, everything. So um, they're very powerful pieces. But when they get working, when they start using, you know, uh, a FaceTime device connecting from Wi-Fi, you know, working hard, it starts to heat up. And to prevent the chip from actually melting, they have a fan inside the computer that works to basically um, cool down the chip. And so when the fan turns on, when you hear the fan, that's because the microchip is heating up and it needs to regulate it. So if the fan wasn't there, we would not have a podcast or we would not have any audio. So thank you to the fan. However, we need to work on eliminating the fan noise because uh, it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks. And I YouTubed a little bit about it, and I may have been able to bring it down a little bit. Um, However, the volume of the voices will not be equivalent. So it was kind of like diluting all of the sound, and the voices kind of had to take a... uh, a step back with that and with doing that. So please enjoy, please know that going into this interview, we're working on it. This is a fantastic interview. We love Scott and he's become a huge mentor for us and a resource for this industry because he's tackled it tremendously, as I mentioned, with athletic stance. Yeah, and he and Scott just in general just is a really good speaker, has a lot of great stories. He has a lot of great life experience, man. Like the guy has really self-made himself into who he is. He's an entrepreneur. He's an ex-skier. And, ha- and just is a great guy. We love the guy. We love Scott with one T, not two T's. Just just to mention, he's the kind of the best Scott one T out there. So let's kick into that interview. I'm excited. Marketing interns get locked in this week. This week we have a huge guest, um, Scott Chrisman, a ex-professional skier, um, born and raised in Boulder, Colorado, and current entrepreneur, um, changing the world with athletes and what athletes can do to promote themselves. Um, welcome. How are you doing, Scott? Excellent. Loving life as always. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Um, I know we reached out to you just short time ago, and this was a quick turnaround, so this is exciting stuff for us. Um, and I know we you've got a brief overview about who we are just kind of through our connections, and we got the same from you. But uh, one thing that we are, we're average guys. That's what we love. We pride ourselves on. And we love asking our uh, interviews and our, our guests what their average quality is because sometimes they don't really understand how to answer the question, but it's one of our favorite questions to ask. So uh, what's your average quality? Uh, this one took me quite a while to like really figure out, but I think my average quality is drinking water and staying hydrated. It's something that I really think that I, I should be a pro at. It's Something that, like, as an athlete, I should be really good at drinking water, staying hydrated, being the type of person that stays up on their health and everything. And, like, I have a glass of water sitting in front of me, but so many times I end up at, like, the end of the day and I'm drinking five cups of coffee and one drink, one cup of water. And I'm like, wow, you really did not perform on that level. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I'm really average at, like, staying hydrated and keeping, like, drinking water. That's awesome. I mean, one thing I'd like to mention is this past podcast, I just touched on how drinking water right before, right when I get out of bed and right before I go to bed has completely changed my day. 
So that's <laughs> awesome that you just mentioned that. <laughs> it's so true. Like, drinking water, I have gotten into that condition where you wake up, you put the pot of coffee on, and coffee's the first thing that mm-hmm. you drink, and it's amazing. If you take that little step, you intentionally drink a cup of water for your health, what it does for your body. It's amazing. So that's <laughs> serendipitous. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, Scott, I have another quick question for you here. Um, what's it like being Scott with one T as opposed with two Scott with two T's? How's that life? Um, you know, I feel pretty special sometimes. No. <laughs> um, uh, it's unique. It's different. I like that um, it throws people off. It's definitely I have to make it something where I intentionally, if I say Scott, it's with one T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's it's cool uh, being unique. It was cool being, like, when I was young, because everyone wants to be unique when they're young, you know. Now <laughs> now I'm a little bit more okay with being an average person. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in some ways. Um, in other ways, I'm not okay with being average at all. But, you know. <laughs> so, um, is there any reason why you have one T in your name? I was named after someone who both my mom and my dad know. And it was more just because they really liked the way that it was spelled, and, and um, he was a good friend to both of them, and, you know, just like someone that they, I guess, felt comfortable naming their son after, so, yeah. <laughs> right, I like it. Crushed it. So, uh, getting more into your skiing career and ski racing, um, we do a little. We did a little bit of research on you beforehand, um, so before we get into, like, how you became passionate about it, um, what is, like, the one thing, because... Our marketing interns, we're like a Minnesota podcast. I don't, I don't think we're necessarily for Minnesota, but we're based in Minnesota. A lot of our listeners are in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What is like the one thing about skiing that uh, is just unbelievable, something that you love so much about skiing? Like if you're going to sell skiing to someone, what do you say to them? It's a place where you can go and you – it's so far out, the normal, uh, out of the normal reality that it pulls you out of your comfort zones in a lot of ways and it pulls you into awareness because you have to be aware of your situation the situation that you're in and you have to be aware of the surroundings that uh you're around and so it it pulls you out of the status quo that normal um mundane kind of feeling and forces you to adapt to new situations. It's an odd, odd way to balance. Um, the ski boots are kind of, can be kind of uncomfortable or you know awkward to walk in. Um, but it, it's a like skiing will make anyone humble. Even the best skier in the world will make them humble. It'll make you aware of your surroundings, especially the farther that you get out into the mountains. You just sit there like in awe of everything that's around you and a uh a big part of skiing is that you get to push your limits uh on a on a daily basis and a lot of it is for me like in any situation in life you can compare yourself to others but a lot of it is a good way to internally um push your limits and you know best yourself every day and you get to go out and be like oh well i did a blue last time or i did um, you know, this jump or I did a backflip, you know, whatever level you're at. And then you get to go and maybe try and improve on it depending on how you're feeling that day and, you know, meeting yourself in that moment. But say 
pushing the limits mm-hmm. and like forcing this awareness. Right on. And growing up, I mean, you're in Colorado, so it's kind of like you're born and raised into the ski culture. Was that how you felt, or was there a different path that you took? No, I learned how to ski before I learned how to walk. Um, I was on skis before I turned two, wow. and I I don't remember learning how to ski. Something that <laughs> actually has kind of bothered me, because I wish that I can like could remember a little bit more about learning how to ski. It just is something that like into reality I was a skier, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at the age of like three or four I can I don't I was just skiing. I was doing it. It's not like I was really a part consciously a part of some pieces of the learning process. Obviously I wasn't like three and winning the Olympics or anything. Mm-hmm. But um so there's a, a giant learning process from there. But the actual initial part of learning I um, I don't even remember, which yeah. is crazy. So crazy. It's but, like you being thrown into a pool of water. You just got to survive. You just got to float. And sink you, or swim. Yeah, just get down the mountain and not without falling. That's so cool. Exactly. And I, I definitely, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, I'm not saying that I would want to have learned how to ski later. I feel so grateful that my parents, A, had the opportunity to get me out on skis at that age, and B, took it, spent the time to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so we know you uh, were, started out as a ski racer, um, and then you ended up in Utah, right, To ski, when you were ski racing. Um, stayed there for a while. And then you also ended up going into a little bit of freestyle, is that correct? Um, yep. So what did you enjoy um, more, freestyle or racing, or can you just kind of give us like a career overview and then give us your preference? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but when I graduated high school, 
15 pounds. Holy smokes. And um, there was a little a little bit of, uh, there were some situations that led to me losing some weight in senior year, but it was really hard for me to put on weight my junior and senior year. And so I started to not be able to compete, even though my technique was better or was you know on par with a lot of people. I just wasn't making it down the hill as fast because it's just not heavy. More weight. Yeah. yeah. As a typical so, skier, roughly 200 pounds? Something like that. Okay. I mean, like, um, 170 and 200 is probably the average uh, 18 to 20 year old male skier. Okay. Something like that. Um, so, I probably weighed like 130 junior year. Wow. 50, 70 pounds. Just. I couldn't do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to, I moved out to Salt Lake City my junior year, and that also kind of pushed me off the path of racing a little bit more. I started to get more interested in freestyle. I found a pair of uh, baggy white pants at a ski slop, and it was the kid that was wearing the crazy baggy white pants <laughs> at all the ski races. Do you wear any tall tees? The clean cut normal ski garb and um so I started drifting away from the racing scene ended up getting into some partying and some drugs and ended up down this path that took me away from skiing for a little bit went down into a dark I'd say like a, an identity crisis I didn't know who I was I like had this projections from such a young age of becoming a professional skier and a ski racer and so that was really hard for me I didn't really know how to deal with it I felt like I was missing out on the social life so I turned to trying to find that social life and that validation and um, you know as an athlete when you get rewarded for doing well you start placing validation externally and so when I didn't have it in skiing then I wanted it for my peers in other ways so I was going to be the guy that was partying or like the life of the party sort of thing I was going to find that validation other ways mm-hmm. and uh, that led me down like a pretty hard path in my life I uh, for a couple years just was pretty lost I knew that I wanted to make it back to skiing but like I couldn't even convince myself to go back to it because like I wasn't going to hop back on the race skis so I wasn't going to be that same amazing whatever the mm-hmm. ego that I had around it mm-hmm. then when I finally did get back into it I realized well I was like, okay, well, I think I can 
get back into this and, and really make something of it. So I tried to go back to school, just was not getting traction there. I was like, I think I could do this from, you know, from Denver. And then I found the, the um, at that point, it was the Free Skiing World Tour. So it was big mountain competitions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is my jam. Like, I can do this. I can throw 360s. I can throw backflips. I can jump off big cliffs. I can go navigate this terrain. You can send it. Got this. You can send it. <laughs> so I went out there. Uh, I went to Snowbird. So it was my first competition. Dropped out of school. Packed all my stuff up. Sent it on the road for three months. Living in my car. Chasing this uh, tour. Making friends. And it just like found my purpose again. I found like this love of the sport. I found people that I related to. I found community. And that led me down... Uh, a couple years of living in my car and chasing the Free World Tour and making a ton of friends and, and, you know, making it on the cusp of, like, some, some, uh, I was, like, fifth at some events and fourth and, you know, I was, like, right there touching, touching the shoulders of the Giants and, um, you know, hanging out with the people that really have made a huge splash in the industry now and I was kind of just, like, always right in the shadow yeah and um but i was right there and i felt like i was in it i felt like i was in the scene and then i ended up um doing really well at a competition in crested view and i did yeah i did decent there i actually my ski popped off my second run but i threw a 720 in the head wall which is like unheard of i think i'm the only person that's ever thrown a 720 in the head wall it was like a 30 foot gap out over rocks pretty flat landing just like everyone went nuts when I when I landed it and um I also met a girl there and so after being on the road that year I got back to Boulder and I was trying to figure out what I was doing and so you know what I want to settle down a little bit more went to Crested View ended up um that's where I live now dated that girl for a couple years and then we broke up and still chased the the Freaking World Tour a little bit, but wasn't as committed. I was trying to make a living and, you know, figure out the whole thing of, like, balancing skiing and income and working and girlfriend life and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, I still did pretty decent, but uh, I decided a couple years later to stop competing and just focus on filming and social media and um, each... Each season for the last five years, I've injured myself, and so that's been the transfer into this entrepreneurial journey, but I basically started cutting my feet on um, branding, personal branding, um, marketing, and self-promotion through this whole ski career. So to get back to this long-winded story, (laughs) um, I would say that I appreciate all of it. Freestyle was what I really, at my heart, loved. And probably wish now, if like if I could make a couple tweaks, I probably would have turned to freestyle a little bit sooner. Um, you can do flips actually easier when you're lighter. Go figure. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if I would have maybe paid more attention to that in- internal um, want and want it to like appease my coaches and my my family as much and really wanted to appease my internal voice i probably would have gone towards freestyle a little sooner but i really wouldn't trade any of it any any portion of the career um and 
Yeah, I think overall, like, it, it all has served a different purpose in my life. Ski racing taught me a lot of determination. It taught me to figure out how to regiment my diet. And, like, even though I wasn't putting on weight, I was still really, uh, I valued my health and I valued, you know, working out and doing these things, even though it really wasn't yielding massive results on the, the weight end of things. Mm-hmm. So I think they all served their purpose. It also taught me how to balance um, working out, skiing, going to a college prep school, traveling all the time, educating myself. That's something that I just clicked in my head is I had to educate myself on a lot of my classes. And being an entrepreneur, I've uh, taken a lot of classes lately online courses and some of them suck some of them are awesome be wary (laughs) (laughs) but it taught me how to be myself which is i think uh, a skill that not everyone has yeah for sure going through the uh transition from racing to freestyle were there mentors in the game that kind of helped you out with that transition or were you just kind of like put your head down and figure it out as much as you can i put my head down and i figured it out and this is one of the things constant imperfect action figure out what your vision is don't hold on to how you're going to get there just figure out what the end result is and then start throwing shit at the wall Mm -hmm. just start throwing that what sticks is is going to be your next move and um so for me i literally like I've always been someone who is a very visual learner, and so I could watch people in ski movies, watch them do a 270 onto a rail, kind of see what they're doing with their hips and their feet, and uh, emulate it pretty well. So there was this self-taught research, and also a lot of, in ski racing, um, we would go up and we would train, they would take a couple videos of us, and then in the bus on the way down, or in the van on the way down, we'd watch a video of ourselves. So I was really good at watching myself and then figuring out what to do to change, to make those little micro adjustments. So like this um, self-awareness of my body or body awareness in space, spatial awareness. That was really repetitive. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, it was like I literally did not know a single person on the, the tour, didn't reach out to anyone online, just showed up, made friends. Wow. Like That's awesome. I was like, I have a personality. I can like, I can show up and make friends. You mm-hmm. know? And, yeah. Um, it really, it was just like a, a massive leap of faith. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so now I, what I'm kind of seeing is like you transitioned from freestyle, and then you really started to brand yourself with you know filming yourself and big mountains aspects and big mountain skiing. Is that because um, I that's kind of what draws me the most is just that big mountain aspect going heli skiing or you know going to backcountry like this past uh winter i went up to whistler with my buddy went up on spanky's ladder and that was just phenomenal um but like that to me that's like the biggest thrill for skiing is like going to the places that no one else is going to and just conquering that kind of stuff is this can you see this kind of starting to form some sort of like a travis rice competition um do you think that stuff is um the future of skiing it's really hard to say. There's uh, the future of skiing is really, really, really up in the air right now. Um, I have always loved Supernatural and what Travis Rice has done there, and there have even been 
See, there have been some of these competitions in the ski world, and they just really didn't get the amount of press that they deserve. Right. Like, to me, if ESPN advertised that stuff, like, the X Games goes wild. Like, don't you want to see these athletes? Like, Sean Pettit in... Oh, I'm trying to think the name of the event. Because the snowboarding one is supernatural, and it's cold something. I'm drawing a blank right now. But in one of the competitions, Sean Pettit threw, like, uh, like 80 or 90 foot cork seven. Yeah, that was... Split. And it's like, who doesn't want to see that? But it's getting, it, it's, <laughs> it's getting the marketers at ESPN to realize that there's value in that and that there's viewership in it. <laughs> yeah, for and sure. I'm, I'm sure that they do market research. I'm sure that they have numbers that say what you know what's valuable and what's not. But um, like X Games gets more viewership, and those organized events. One of the cool things about those organized events is you pull in a bunch of different types of athletes. So like you get sled necks, you get snowboarders, you get skiers, you get these people that like it's a whole bunch of different sports that come together. And there's, you know, different niches within each sport. So you have the super cross uh, aspect of it or the skier cross aspect of it. You have, like, the jumping, the snowmobiles. You have the racing, the snowmobiles. You have uh, slope style. You have big air. So, like, it brings all these different sub-niches together, which is a little bit harder in the big mountain scene of competition where it's snowboarders and skiers, you're probably not going to have snowmobilers going down the same course. Right. You could, you know, hold it in the same area, you know, call it Silverton, call it Revelstoke, call it whatever. You could hold it in the same area, do different courses, but I think there would need to be some VC money or, you know, someone who has to see the idea and really, like, inject some hard capital to make that happen. Yeah, well, and um, also not to mention, like, the, uh, just the, the probability of people landing runs. Like, Super pipe, everyone, there's a 80% people land runs, especially skiing. Big air is a little more variable. But, like, when, you talk, when you're talking big mountain, there's so many more variables involved. And I feel like a lot of the viewership is lost there because a lot of it might just be crashes, which isn't the end of the world. But for competition's sake, that's tough. Yeah, definitely. You do see a lot more crashes, and it's you have more variables in big mountain, like you're saying. And so conditions... Um, can make you look less than professional, mm-hmm. even if like if anyone else was out there, they'd just be tumbling and dying. <laughs> you know? Seriously, oh yeah. Um, it's it's that same kind of thing where in the Olympics, sometimes it doesn't look that cool because everyone's so good. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? a double cork is like standard. <laughs> yeah, it's that same thing where you you need the average person in there. I forget what comedian says that, but you need the person, the average person in there to show the distance, like the gap between the yeah. from the average person. That's mm-hmm. where we so, come in. Yeah, that's what we do. So with that, I mean, you're pr- participating in a sport that is injury prone left and right. You don't know when the next one's coming. And you just mentioned five seasons in a row you had an injury. I mean, can you tell us the recovery process, the mental aspect that it toll that it played on you? Like, how was that going on in your life? Five seasons in a row. That cannot be some easy feat to overcome. Definitely. Um, I would say, like, for the most part, I'm eternally optimistic. Uh, I have been known to get angry and get frustrated at times, as we all do. You know, life mm-hmm. doesn't always feel perfect. 
Uh, we're not like, you know, it, it can, you can lose sight of that optimism. But luckily, the first two injuries weren't too bad. And they were at times when I was working really, really hard at my job and kind of wanted like that little bit of a break <laughs> too. Yeah. So it actually like, the first two were kind of a, a spots where I was, um, they were so minor, quote unquote, in, in comparison. Like one of them, I cut through the nerve in my finger and like had to get surgery. It's hard to see, but uh, had to get surgery. That was pretty minor and then it broke my wrist. And then the next season was really when things got really, really hard for me. Um, I broke my back on February 28th, 2016. Damn. And that was, that was really rough. That was the year that I decided not to compete anymore. Um, and there were a lot of things that had, like, a really, really, that six months was a really uh, trying time for me. And I, I broke my back. A month and a half later, I lost my best friend in a speed flying accident. And then six months later, I got charged with a felony domestic violence charge for going over to my ex-girlfriend's house at 2 o'clock in the morning just to try and have a conversation. And those three things, like, back, back to back, pretty much... It broke me really, really hard. And it was, um, I got shown my true self, and I got shown that I really didn't like my true self in some ways. Like, obviously, I'm not the person that, like, I'm not a violent person towards women, and I'm not, like, you know, that's not me. Um, it's a label that, you know, was, it's, it's awful. But at the same point, I had to make a decision that um, when I broke my back, I made it, the decision. And again, when I got that felony domestic violence charge uh, for trespassing, um, was to get better or get, get better or get better. And I decided to get better. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that I necessarily knew exactly how I was going to go about it. But I knew, number one, that um, I really wanted to get in the gym and or I wanted to start working out with someone. So when I broke my back, a month later, I started working out with personal training. And I, like, made – I really set that intention, and I, I got in there. And that was – I started taking responsibility for my personal health and my physical health. And that was massive. Taking responsibility for that eventually allowed me to take responsibility for my mental health. Um, it was also a really good outlet for me to work through the grief and emotions. I've seen, I've lost a lot of friends, I've, I've, um, I've experienced loss in a lot of different ways, and um, it was a really good way for me to metabolize that emotion, because um, as men, it's, it's hard for us to, like, really, truly feel sometimes, or, you know, really express our emotions, or, like, I don't know, get, not to sound fruity, but get in touch with our emotions, or, you know, like, really honor them, and, uh, so, like, working out kind of became a way for me to really process them, and work through some of that shit, and, like, you know, if I ended up crying in the middle of a workout, it was 
fucking awesome. Hey, Jimmy V. Jimmy V. says you have to laugh, uh, cry, and learn something every single day. So hey, it sounds like you're living full days back then. Is and is it true? Is it true that you broke or had it some sort sort of injury on the 27th or 28th of March or February every year? Yep. So that's so nuts. Jeez. And then, so this last injury, you kind of just had a realization that it's time to put the skis away and professionally professionally and transition to maybe a business feature now. Um, So tell me how that self-awareness came into play, and then tell me what what, what we would really really love to know and our marketing interns would love to know is kind of the entrepreneurial venture that you're getting into now. Totally. share the gift of skiing with others and um for about a year and a half i guess yeah it's only been a year and a half since i got charged um so for the last year and a half i have been i was working on academy of skiing and you know it was continually at first i'm like oh this is gonna be easy like i see it all in my head like it's gonna come out no problem and holy shit resistance 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 (laughs) Left, right, and center, I can't tell you, like, how many roadblocks just kept getting put in my way. And, um, you know, at the time, it was not fun. It didn't feel like, I, I was just like, I can't even believe that all this is, like, uh, I can't produce results and all this. And really, now I realize that it's just been preparing me and preparing me. And it, through the athletic journey, I, um, learned how to brand myself, how to market myself, and promote myself to sponsors. I was never necessarily the one like with the top results, but I was the one with the list of sponsors. Okay. <laughs> that was really good at marketing <laughs> myself. Sure, I like that. And, um, so a lot of people like gravitated towards me in that aspect. They're like, oh, well, this kid knows what's up. He's always got the bright gear. Like, he's always hooked up. He's always tagging his sponsors and stuff. And um, so, you know, I've, I've realized that I kind of have this knack for using my voice and, and um, branding myself and, and getting people to um, understand my intentions and, like, creating win-win situations for brands and win-win situations, yeah, for everyone involved. And um, Academy, so revert back real quick, Academy of Skiing ended up leading me to this idea of starting a podcast because I hired a life coach, six months was up, and uh, I didn't end up rehiring that life coach. I ended up working for a life coaching company, doing sales for him, and he was going to life coach, he was going to do coaching for me, and he actually ended up, we had a falling out, he never did any coaching for me, but that led me to a live event called Billion Dollar Body Live, which... Quick shout out to Nicholas Barely. He's helped me a lot. Um, he's 
an entrepreneur that I invested. I went out to his live event and I invested in his mastermind called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood. And that really like launched my entrepreneurial journey. And at that event, um, Jordan Harbinger was there and a couple other people, but they were talking about podcasts. And I'm like, I really need to start a podcast. Um, the life coach that I worked for briefly sent me through a podcasting course that I went through a year ago when I was in Hawaii last time. And that got my wheels turning and coming back to constant inward action. And I, in August of last year, I can't believe how short of a time that all this has happened. Only August last year, I made the decision to start my podcast. And... I reached out, I had a post on Facebook, okay, I reached out to two professionals, pretty much the only two professionals that I felt like really comfortable saying, hey, I'm starting a podcast, this is, I think, what it's going to be about, and I literally, like, sat there in the message, like, hey, what's up, I'm starting a podcast called The Athletic Stance, A Skier's Perspective, we're going to talk about, uh, with pro skiers, about mindset, and, you know, just like, <laughs> just, yeah. an angle, yeah, bootstrap, <laughs> Sick, cool. Like, no more resistance around something. Maybe this is the direction I should go. And so then I post on Facebook because through that journey, finding, you know, I definitely had some emotional issues with anger and everything. I never was someone who took it out violently on anyone else. It was like oftentimes a masochistic sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, like anger. Um, but I learned that by taking care of my body and taking care of uh, what I was putting in my body, I, I removed sugar and alcohol from my diet, and those two things just skyrocketed me. Like, I was happy, I was a lot happier, I didn't have anxiety, you mm-hmm. know, there were so many things that I used to deal with that, like, if I even think about how many, how much resistance I walked through life with because of diet and not working out and not being mindful and all these things, like, life back then was, was kind of hard, you know, and, um, so I put this post on Facebook, and I say, does food affect your emotions? Lexi DuPont responds, and is like, yeah, totally. So I'm like, oh, I should probably interview her. So I reach out to her. I'm out in Sun Valley coaching the kids' camp that my, fr- my best friend who passed away, Jordan Madrid, started. And um, his brother is continuing the camp. And I'm out there coaching, and she lives out in Sun Valley, so I get to go out and interview her. She's my first interview that I do in August last year, and I got to do it in person at her house. I researched a bunch. She had just done an interview with Forbes, which was awesome. So I got to read the whole interview with Forbes, and I got to read a bunch of her other previous interviews. And um, showed up to that interview super prepared. Blew her out of the water. She was stoked. She enjoyed spending time with me, and we ended up going to lunch afterwards, we talked about masculine emotional development, I gave her a book um, called The Way of the Superior Man, which was a book that really helped me on my journey um, of, you know, just like becoming a better person, and uh, as I was leaving town, I said, you know, thank you so much, that was awesome, or she sent me a text, and she's like, I'm super full of energy, like super stoked about that conversation, and then I sent her a text, I was like, hey, I'm so glad that you that you enjoyed that I, you know, I talked to Ian McIntosh and Andrew Collinson, but do you think that you'd be able to reach out to any of your 
friends to um, see if they'd be willing to be on the podcast. She sent an email out to 15 top-level skiers saying, with me CC, saying, you should hop on a call with this guy. So I got a ton of interviews out of that. And um, from there, the podcast, I, I finally met my resistance. I wanted to get it out on the first of the year. And I wanted to get it out with a certain number of episodes. Um, investing in the Billion Dollar Body, or, or in the Billion Dollar Brotherhood, I got to meet Pat Flynn and a couple other podcasters at an event. And so, like, they helped me with the launch strategy. And so I'm like, okay, five episodes on the first. These people, we're going to get it out. And then my Apple ID had this random thing where, it, like, I couldn't get it figured out. I literally didn't get it figured out until January 22nd. January 21st. Damn, that's very similar to our struggle. We started our podcast in February of last year, and we didn't get our first episode on iTunes till February 21st, yeah, something like that. It was literally mm-hmm. like four, two or three weeks later, just trying to figure out what the hell an RSS feed was, and then right. just literally like walking back like via Google search after Google search and figuring out, okay, this is how you get it on here, and then just kind of putting it all together, and we fi- finally figured out. But, dude, same exact struggle as what we went through. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I'm letting some doubts get in the way, and I'm like, well, like, I didn't have resistance, and now I have resistance. Like, oh, God, I don't even know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, I put it out. Lexi shares it. Um, I start figuring out some cool ways to promote it. I start getting some people that are, like, telling me that they like it. And um, all of a sudden, a month later, and I show up in the top three podcasts for outdoor sports and iTunes. Snowball effect, top of the charts, baby. Exactly. (laughs) So Scott with one T is the first Scott with one T top podcaster. That's right. That's a big deal. Um, That's awesome. my sales i was really stoked you know i was getting responses and i was realizing that i was impacting people and so i started to formulate this idea of thinking you know maybe academy of skiing because there's so much resistance around it maybe it just takes a back burner for a little bit and i'll you know i'll restoke the fire then and um you know just gonna keep pushing forward with the podcast and um you know, even up to a month ago, I was like, podcast, whatever business venture is going to happen, skiing. I'm going to hold on to skiing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep pursuing skiing. That's your why. You know, random spring day out there um, skiing around, and I was a little frustrated. I should have gone skiing because um, I just know that I don't ski frustrated. Um <laughs> But I went to hit this jump and do a switch 270 onto a box, like a skinnier box and then a wider box. And I, the snow is super slushy, so instead of making it a 270, which some people might not understand it, but three quarters of a rotation, I'm facing backwards, I spin to the left, so my right foot ends up forward on the box. Um, I only made it 180 degrees, so I straddled the box and I'm facing forward. Um, straddling the skinnier box. Mm-hmm. Wider box, box is coming. Yeah. Slam my left leg 
to the side, sit down. I'm like, I'm a pretty tough guy, so I didn't even look at my legs for a while. And I'm just like trying to let the pain subside. Um, all every injury that I told you about, I skied away from. Um, even when I broke my back, I skied to the lift, took the lift up, and then had to be taken down. Oh, by the body. wow. <laughs> I was sitting on the chairlift, and the person in front of me was bobbing their leg, and I could feel every little inch their foot was moving in my back. Jeez. Uh, and as I was feeling that going up the lift, I realized, I was like, okay, I got off the lift, laid down, the lift off took my skis off, and they took me down. But I skied away from, like, I skied past the box to this one, and I pop my ski off, I sit down, and I'm like, damn, that's a ton of pain. And we realized later that I tore the nerves um, on the like top left part of my shin. Um, so when when you tear your nerves, you basically get all of the sensation of that pain that would be lasted through like um, you know a couple hours. It feels like fifty thousand tons is crushing your leg. Literally, like it's the nerve nerve damage hurts so bad. Yeah. And uh, so I'm laying there, I call my dad, I'm crying over the phone because fifth year in a row, I'm thinking that it might be a season-ending injury, and um, I'm like, I'm just devastated. I'm like, I'm trying to do good in the world. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm, I'm out here trying to make an impact. I'm trying to do dumb things. And I, I started crying, and I'm like, I, you know, I think I'm going to try and ski down. I tell my dad, and he's like, well, roll up your pant leg. Like, you don't even know if your leg's broken or not. And uh, I roll my pant leg up, and there's just blood dripping now. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, this is serious. I'm hanging up, and I'm calling the ski patrol. I hang up with my dad. I call the ski patrol. They take me down. And um, every single, like, when he first showed up, we could see the bone. <laughs> it looked like it was a compound fracture. And then things just got better and better as things evolved. But That's good. Really? That was a big turning point for me, and I decided, it took me a, a couple, I've had some really powerful people come in my life, like Nicholas Bailey, and like some of these life coaches, um, who have been able to facilitate conversations with me that allow me to really find out what I want. So I had a couple conversations after that, I'm like questioning, I'm trying to figure out what it is that like this is in my life for, because... At this point, I've realized that every time an injury happens, something good happens. Or every time, like, something bad happens, it's prepping me for something good, whether it's the felony, whether it's the, um, you know, breaking my back, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's constantly because I've decided to become, one of the main things that I've decided to become grateful for it. I don't know how I'm going to become grateful for it, but I just decide that I'm going to become grateful for it, and I pursue that vision. And then, um, you know, I constantly try and get better. I look for the areas, like, um, when I broke my back, I could have been stronger. So that's what brought me to fitness. When I tore my ACL, I had instantaneous shock in my gut uh, right before I jumped on the rail that I I didn't want to be doing it. I didn't listen to my intuition. So, like, that told me that I needed to listen to my intuition, listen to my heart more. So every single time I was able to pick up these gifts from from the injury, and this time I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the gift, what is it, bring it on, like, what's the gift now, 
That's and awesome. I remember I was actually sitting on on the hospital bed while they're sewing me up on a coaching call with these guys like, talking about like you know um, just like accepting the situation, accepting surrender, and um, then I talked to these two guys, uh, these two people. One of them is Monique Lind- Lindner, and one of them is PJ Dixon. PJ Dixon is um, someone who has had all of his life against him. He has, I think it's MD, muscular dystrophy. He uh, is one of, he's in a wheelchair, and if anyone else was <laughs> in his situation, they probably would have given up a long time ago. He is one of those people who is just so resilient. And I don't even want to say that because he's had an amazing life. He's like one of the most amazing, inspiring people ever. So it's obvious, like, life is just amazing. It's not about what you're given. It's about what you do with it. So, like, even saying I I don't even want to, like, put any energy into that because his life is amazing because he makes it that way. And um, But those two people facilitated me stepping into my own personal authority which is releasing the idea of being a professional skier, realizing that by expanding my niche, I can help so many more people. And I make I made that decision, and in the last four weeks, I have been presented with an amazing amount of deals. So I'm rebranding. So my podcast is called The Athletic Stance. I'm rebranding and starting a YouTube channel called The Athletic Stance. And I'm teaching athletes how to become entrepreneurs and influencers, brand themselves, market, and self-promote so that they can use their for good. And, and it's, it's been really crazy because um, at these mastermind events, we've, we've learned a bunch of tools. So I have a friend that works with Red Cans and Black Magic. He's an amazing uh, videographer. And we decided to make a content creation company. And this is actually just before I injured myself. And then I, after I injured myself, I'm you know, taking an inventory of my strengths. And I'm like, shit, I'm pretty good at social media management. And I'm pretty good at podcasting. I'm pretty good at like getting all these, you know, leveraging my voice. Plus, being able to be the person with the sponsors. Being able to be the person that creates the win-win situations. Like, I could probably teach some people how to do that. And um, then, uh, you know, I, I start thinking about like getting Instagram management, Facebook management, and it's led to, in the last four weeks, I now have a company called, like, The Athletic Stance is my, my channel where I'm teaching people, how teaching athletes how to become influencers and entrepreneurs. And then The Media House is the content creation company, so we'll take... We'll take someone who wants to create a personal brand, we'll shoot 99 videos in three days, and then we'll pull those 99 videos and create content across all platforms for those videos, So, or out of those videos. So in three days, the, the personal branding entrepreneur can have a quarter's worth of content across all platforms. That's nice. so cool. That is really cool. Um, under that, we ha- I have two affiliate programs that I'm working with. One of them is the Alive and Awake Project, where we're educating um, 10 million students about their carbon footprint and planting a billion trees. And then the other one is uh, called Be With Me, and that's an affiliate program for sustainable solutions. Be With Me, and then they have an application called the Cherry App, which will be connecting 
farmers and consumers. Um, food or produce is an average of six times more expensive in the grocery store than what the farmer sells it for. Wow. So if we double the or triple the price that the farmer is selling for, but cut in half the pricing the consumer is buying, everyone wins. That's a that's some that's some good math there, Scott. and you're teaching people about sustainable and regenerative business and affiliate being an affiliate for products using the, the branding techniques and the self-promotion and the marketing techniques that I've taught you and the content creation that we use. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, awesome. it's been this crazy transition in the last four weeks of going from thinking that I'm still pursuing an X Games medal four weeks ago to, like, I get to have a massive impact in the world so far outside of the ski industry mm -hmm. and that all it took me finally letting go of this thing that has taken up so much space in my life, skiing, pursuing professional skiing has yep. taken up so much space in my life. Yeah. And not in a bad way, but it's consumed a lot of my energy. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we could say know, the same thing. We when you let go, when you make room in your life, when you let go, you invite other things that's been like the, the really crazy part for me mm -hmm. so. we just ended our football careers here in uh december four years playing college football i mean playing football for 16 years closing that door and really realizing everything else that we can let in now and this podcast we started going full force since football ended and just seeing our improvement during that time has been tremendous um so with that being said i know you're trying to hone in on social media and everything, um, and you're really turning that around. You're making you're making use out of things that the marketing platform it's free, and you can utilize that in crazy ways. YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I mean, the power of that and branding is incredible. So the the way you're going about this, I'm excited to see where you're going to be. Um, and we're doing the same thing too. Like when you're talking YouTube, when you're talking Instagram. Like lot, what's unbelievable and what I'm starting to see a lot more, spending a lot more time on Instagram is Instagram is a business platform. I just think people using Instagram as a business platform, I'm starting to take full advantage of that. YouTube, same kind of thing. Twitter, same kind of thing. And just being able to connect with people like you, Scott, like we connected on Instagram and like, I'm sure you've had equal success with a ton of other people. And like, that is just an unbelievable source to be able to just reach out to someone and then schedule an interview in the next couple of days and then we'll promote each other. And then that's, you know, that's where it takes off. Um, now, so one of our promotional things, mm -hmm. uh, we do this a lot with all of our guests. Um, we play a game. Uh, we didn't send this to you, but uh, this is just a big time opportunity for us. Yes. Um, Andrew, you want to lead us in? So this game is called confirm or deny. We're going to list you from some phrases and you're going to just confirm or deny. And if you want to elaborate, feel free. Uh, first thing I would like to say, skiers and snowboarders are like stepbrothers. They are friendly on the mountain, but behind when they get off that mountain, they just talk trash. Uh, confirm or deny? Um, I would say the average, like the status quo would be confirm. I don't su subscribe to that. Like, okay. I am friends with everyone. I love, you know, I, one of my, um, my roommates is a snowboarder, and we go out and film together all the time. I got him sponsored by my outerwear company this year, so like, 
Definitely not throwing <laughs> throwing shade anywhere. <laughs> so if we gave you sixty seconds on the clock to bash snowboarders, you wouldn't take that bait. Okay. okay. All right. Fantastic. Very nice. Well, that's a 60 seconds we'll take back to uh, give another one out. Um, <laughs> confirm or deny uh, skiers growing up are dedicated to their schoolwork? Uh, ski racers confirmed. Any other skiers mad denial? <laughs> <laughs> Love, Love it. it. <laughs> um, skier? the only one that you uh, have to maintain good grades. Oh, really? Wow. Something to think about. freestyle programs are a lot more, are trending that direction. And, like, if you're in the big mountain program and, um, yeah, you're traveling with the team, anytime you're traveling with the team, they're going to set requirements for schoolwork. But, like, uh, a lot of the people that I was growing up with, the, it was, like, the anti-authority, you know, the... The Tanner Halls of the world? Team Park is anti-authority and not, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure, right on. Um, confirm or deny, skiers have their own language. All right, love so, it. So, with that being said, could you feel free to share some of that language with us? Maybe, maybe a phrase or yeah, a word. Maybe we could have some conversation. I'll start. I'll start. Um, at the end of the day, with skiing, it's all about jumping cornices and making your turns. Exactly, and like being mad skeezy, repping, repping your yeah, repping your own style. Um, Throwing double corks. Oh, Sandy. It's all about the when the freshies come out, you got a we got a little base layer already. Nothing yeah. but a good day. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking a a it's nice. The only time that you're looking for face shots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I loved using. Uh, wait. Oh, uh, side note or side thing. Um, what is your favorite word for powder? Mm-hmm. Like, love me some pow pow. How, how about this? Uh, chowder. Chowder? Oh, the, love the New England chowder, bud. Yeah, love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Just eating some freshies. Um, got another one for you. Uh, confirm or deny Crested Butte, Crustiest Mountain in Colorado, possibly on Earth. Okay. In Colorado. Well, okay. And then uh, aside from that, what's your favorite mountain in Colorado? Uh, definitely love Crested Butte. It's really? where I chose to live for a reason. Um, but probably my favorite one is the one that I haven't skied yet because I get to experience it. Where Ooh. haven't you skied in Colorado? Uh, um, I mean, there's a lot of backcountry, like 14ers I haven't skied. There's, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of mountains. Sure. So you've been uh, everywhere. <laughs> you've pretty. It makes sense. There's a private. There's a private one out in I don't even know where it is. Just like I don't know, over six figures to be a part of the ski club. So I haven't been there. Yeah. Be interested. Sure. <laughs> Um, so wrapping up the podcast, this is how we usually finish off our, our, our interviews. We love two questions. Our first question would be a bar story. And I like to phrase this as like a descriptive story that would entertain a stranger. So our marketing interns don't know you that well. Um, now they do. They've sat with you for about an hour. 
and uh, you got to tell them a story about yourself that you hopefully would entertain them um, sitting at a bar, maybe having a beer. Funny, embarrassing. Funny, embarrassing, yeah. Just like pass out, just 
confused on how to get to the hostel from uh, Santiago. Like, get in a taxi, show up, and I get out of the taxi, and my the, I don't know the guy, but he's getting coming out of the hostel, and he's carrying skis, and he's like, let's uh, let's go, and I'm like, cool, awesome. <laughs> Do you know who this guy is? <laughs> in the nick of time so I'm going skiing I know where all my shit is I grab all my shit we go up and um oh man I don't know where my story's gonna end I just don't think so <laughs> so we uh we go up and I'm like so toasted from like being hungover and everything and uh we do this hike we go to a run called McConkey's which is named after Shane McConkey one of the uh most influential skiers that's ever existed isn't uh mcconkey's is like this uh run on pretty much every mountain at this point right there's a lot yeah whistler vale i think has one he really really enjoyed he's pretty much got a run at yeah of course there's um a like a statue up there ski down uh hit this little jump at the bottom this is in the morning we ski around go and hike it again it's getting really slushy. I hit this jump. I land, land on rocks, jump forward, and blow open my elbow. I don't know if you can really see. Oh, Ooh. dang. Blow my elbow, chip it. Um, I'm getting, like, I, I had to get stitches. They gave me Chelan antibiotics that I'm, like, super scared about, you know? Yep. And, um, so the next day, we're supposed to go down to Patagonia. Uh, we show up back at the hotel, and my arm's all screwed up. I'm, like, way worse for the wear, and I see, I walk into the hotel, or the hostel, and I see Ian McIntosh, one of my idols, just badass skiers, chilling there, and, uh, he's talking about flying on the plane with Eric Rohner, and, like, I'm just, like, so starstruck, and I'm like, this guy, I gotta, I gotta make a good impression on this guy, and skiers love alcohol. Right, so we're getting on this bus, um, there's long, uh, long Greyhound type buses, and there's like 40 of us in one, and maybe 20 in the other, and the North Face is, is sending us all down for this filming trip, and, uh, because the competition got cancelled, so we have, like, six flats of 24 beers, 12 bottles of Pisco, Holy cow. and all of the skiers brought their own. Pisco is like a Chilean whiskey mix, I know that sounds weird, but that's the best way to put it, um, way too much alcohol, so, um, I'm still kind of screwed up from this whole getting stitches, like, everything that's involved in, <laughs> in that whole ordeal, and, um, I proceed to get blacked out, the most blacked out I've ever been in my whole life, and so does pretty much everyone on the bus. Blackout like this before. Yikes! Wow. Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, there are flashes of us showing up. Um, we showed up at a gas station at one point, and we're all black, like just blasted. Ian McIntosh had gotten everyone to take their shirts off. Everyone's walking around with their shirts off, including the women are just walking around in sports bra. We walk into this fucking Chilean gas station at like twelve o'clock at night. 
people get some food, some people puke, some people, you know, whatever, we get back on the bus, and this is when things really start to go south. So, uh, we, we start to, I had found some weed uh, on the street, and it was really, really shitty weed, and um, browner than brown, and um, we roll it up, and we're smoking it in the bathroom, out the window, with like four of us in the, in the bathroom. weed, like, shit is just not good. And, uh, finally, like, I somehow make it back to my seat, and I'm just, like, dead to, and I realize that I have to go to the bathroom, and I'm still, like, blacked out, can't even really open my eyes, but people just, like, fucking with me, probably with me a weed, who knows, and I end up walking to the front of the bus Scott, you can't pee here. And I'm in the middle of the aisle. No way. Taking the piss. That's bananas. And that is that it right there? So the, the rest of the trip in Macintosh did not hesitate to give me all the shit in the world about being the guy who blacks out and pees on the bus. The aisle peer, dude. Scott, you're the aisle peer, dude. I don't know how else to break it to you. Um, well, that's a phenomenal story. I love it. Thank you for sharing. That's a big-time win for us. Um, we'll finish up, keep it quick and simple. Plain and simple, it's our new quote of the week. Um, or quote of the month. Sorry. Quote of the month. Plain and simple. Let's start using it. Um, so, plain and simple, what did you learn today from the time you woke up till the time we're interviewing now? Okay. If you want to know more about beacon marketing, um, think about someone walking by a brick and mortar storefront and getting a notification about a deal that you have going on. Ooh. Beacon marketing. That's beacon marketing. So it's kind of like the Snapchat filter, or you can like buy a Snapchat filter and put it over a certain location. And then basically, if you set it so when someone walks into that area, it notifies their phone of whatever's going on. Exactly. Ooh. Locked in. That's sick. Well, the exact same sort of thing. Um, you can do this um, for brick and mortar storefronts, and you can do this for a bunch of. Um, there are a bunch of storefront situations where you can use this beacon marketing, and there's um, there's proximity where you get close, and then there's location mark, uh, beacon marketing where people already know that. Before the city, you could do a like um, scavenger hunt sort of thing. Ooh, okay. Geocache mm. and stuff like that. So if you guys have any more, like uh, beacon marketing is the way of the future.
wave of the future. So for all the marketing interns out there, research, teaching, marketing, mm-hmm. and um, definitely get at me if you guys have any questions. I'd love to educate you too. We've got some pretty amazing, like, we've got people on the fulfillment end of the beacon marketing. And if you just want to make sales for the beacon marketing, freaking, like, got you covered all right man well thank you for all your help and all everything that you've taught us today thanks for sharing your story it's been phenomenal um and we just want to say thank you and that was our interview with uh scott chrisman fantastic man i hope you guys enjoyed it because we sure did we the world this world needs more of scott one t and we like him a lot he's doing a lot of great things like we had mentioned before just the entrepreneur man and just watch out for him on social media and things he's doing with his podcast because it's really freaking cool. And any skiers out there, honestly, go listen to his show because it's really cool and he just has a lot of great things to say. He's also starting a YouTube page, so go check that out as well. A lot of plugs, a lot of things Scott's doing. Anyways, we're on the back end. It's a big back end. It's always a great back end. And no, why? Yeah, why? Yeah. Why is it? I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you for making it this far because we love our marketing interns that have made it to the back end. This is when we're at our best. Yeah. It's plain and simple. Plain and simple, we're here, we're now. It's been an hour and like 22 minutes. So we apologize for the length, but at this point, it's just great content. Yeah, it's just really good content. We're ebbing and flowing, we're hot, and I'm sure the marketing interns are foyer right now. They're just having a blast. Um, But yeah, the marketing interns here, I mean, you're a tier above the rest. You've made it this far, and now you get blessed by us once more, Because, uh, but a a better version of the back pocket. We're a little better at this point, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, let's get to it. We finished with a, what did we learn in a feel-good story? Should should we keep saying that, by the way? Always. Okay. Should we? Okay. Maybe. Maybe Maybe. we we transition out of it, but right now, I, I enjoy it. Okay, cool. So, I'm not saying I'm not saying those segments specifically. I'm just saying, do we always tell people what the finishing segments are? How what the finishing segments are, and like congratulating them for getting this far. Like always, we, congratulate them for getting this far. But I think the ones that have gotten this far, they know that there's a what did you learn in a feel good finisher. Yeah. So maybe we we throw in a, a random segment in the next one to like kind of spice like, it up. Spice it up. Yeah, because then like because we always explain mark or we stopped explaining marketing interns. We no longer explain marketing interns because we know our marketing interns know who they are. Yeah, and but like for new people, we don't explain it anymore because the, that time has already came and gone. Yeah, and if they want to really know, they can figure it out. It's not it's not that hard. No. There's a lot of people listening to our podcast that they could probably ask. Correct. So yeah, but uh, let's should we do it? Yeah, let's let's just get to it. Let's get to it. <laughs> uh, what did you learn? And I can start on this one because okay. I have already kind of talked about this a little bit in the front end. Uh, the power of mentors. That's what I've been learned. What's that? That's what I've learned most today. Um, with with Scott Christman, Tony Capra, um, Phil Zhao, my father. It's new. There's so many people out there that has that have affected us and us just asking for a little bit more advice and maybe helping them in some manner. Give a little give and take relationship. It's really really cool how mentors have played a role in our podcast so far. Not only our podcast, but our life, and mm-hmm. we can totally um, attribute a lot of stuff to that. So thank you to all our mentors out there. I think our podcast is just a really good, uh, is a working way of just adding mentors to our portfolio. Just like it's a pod, it's a, what would you call it? It would be a mentor acquisition podcast, I think is what I would call it. Sure. So it's, it'd be a mentor acquisition of placing in your back pocket. It would, yeah, it would be. You just a, have them in your back pocket, yep. ready to use, secure. Sonia, now I'm, now I'm visualizing, yep. and I'm thinking, and I'm, I like what you're saying. Okay. It would be a mentor placement in your back pocket podcast. Correct. I think that's spot on. I think that's, exa- that's exactly what it is. So what did I learn? I learned that the size of, what, 
how big Africa is. <laughs> now, this may sound stupid, but I'm going to put it in perspective for all the small brain people like myself out there. So, Africa can fit the United States, Eastern Europe, Great Britain, India, all into Africa. And there would still be some space left over. So, our whole country, Eastern Europe, which is fairly big, not, not Russia, Eastern Europe, Great Britain, which is fairly big as well, and India, which is a third larger than the United States in Africa. Now, it's also mentioned that India is only a third larger than the United States, like I just said, but it has three times the amount of people that we do. So they're just, like, cramped. They're, like, living on top of each other. Like, if you pull up pictures of India, like, city, mm-hmm. like cities in India, it, they're living on top of each other. Yep. It's crazy. And what do you think the population of Africa is? You're saying they're so much bigger than the United States. Do we have more people than Africa? Well, just again, what would you estimate? I want you to look it up. Uh, but I'm going to guess right now. Okay. I think Africa has less people than the United States. And that's a really hot take. But so I think the African population is 1.2 oh, wow, billion. We were so off. No, Africa has way more people than us. And the U.S. population is 300 million. Yeah, so 25% of that. So Africa has, because 1.2 million, yeah, so Africa has 1.2 billion and the United States have 300 So they're filling up their country too. So they also are filling up their country, but then again, like I had said, India, Africa, Great Britain, Eastern Europe all fit into Africa. And then let's just give you a little perspective. India's population is 1.3 billion. Yes, there are more people in India than there are in the entire continent of Africa. And Africa is so much bigger than the United States. And it has India in it, Africa, Great Britain, Eastern Europe. Wow. That's bana- That's a great one. Did you learn right there? Holy shnikes. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good, that, good Google. That's well, good work. Well done, Declan. You're, all, you're always able to inform our listeners to give them that golden nugget to bring to the cocktail party because you can talk about that. That's something, like, it's not going to stir controversy. It's just facts. That's just going to blow someone's mind. I mean, controversy is the air we breathe. Yeah, and you can throw, you probably have your own controversial statements that you could talk about, but all we're saying is, hey... The size of Africa, let's think about it here for a second. I think you should really, you can really draw on the masses with that. If you're, you know, you know, at the <laughs> at the water cooler at work on your Monday and, you know, people are just dragging ass everywhere, you could be like, do you guys know how big Africa is? And I feel like people are going to turn some heads. That's yeah. going to be something that needs to be talked about. So Love try it. to work on Monday because it's a Sunday podcast. Try that on Monday during your work week and see how it goes for you. Absolutely, man. All right, let's trap the puck and close it out. A feel-good story that very warms our hearts. It warms the hearts of our marketing interns, and one in particular, Stephen H. Harrell, Cheryl, our long-lost first-string producer. Happy birthday. Belated birthday. It was this past Thursday. It was a hell of a day. And uh, we we also like to mention, like, where did you go? Steve, it's, it's your buddy, Decal. Where are you, man? It's been 28 podcasts, allegedly, since you're, since the last time we've seen you. Since the last time you've blessed us with your presence. And we're starting to get worried. We, have not, we haven't seen Steve in so long. Should we put out a help call? Yeah, we should. Help. Help. Steve. Harold. Call, please. 1-800. Help Steve. Help find, no, 1-800-FIND-CHERYL. Find Cheryl. But anyways, I think uh, we need to do a little back and forth on places Steve has been when he when he should be producing. So I, I'll start interviewing for a job. Mm-hmm. Meal prepping. Lifting weights that he doesn't need to be lifting anymore because he's playing. He's done playing football. Playing Fortnite. And that was our segment, Where is Steve? 
Or what was it? Where's Steve when we are recording? Yeah, there you go. All right, sweet. Well, anyways, it sounds like Steve's doing a lot of good things now that he's not a producer, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations, Steve. We hope uh, all our marketing interns are very productive this week. Uh, we will be back with a wild, wild episode next week, Podcast 50. It's our quarter century podcast. No, half century podcast or fifth decade podcast. I don't know how you guys want to go about it. But it's all about perspective. It's all, it's all about perspective. How big is Africa? You know, think about it that way. Anyways, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Podcast 50. Love you. Take care. Take care. <laughs>